Hello and welcome to a podcast brought to you by The Religion of Aston Villa. We're a social media account on Twitter and Facebook that wants to get our voices out there and heard, so please join us. Hello guys and welcome to another episode. This is the Arsenal Review. I'm joined by Callum as always. Um, jumping sh- straight into it because obviously it was a few days ago and um, you know p- probably not as fresh in people's minds but you know we are going to go over it still. Um, the lineup. I mean what, what do you think of it because obviously we went back with you know Ings back on the bench. Um, you know, Buendia and Cortinho behind Watkins. Um, and obviously, we had Bailey Traore on the bench. Um, I think, uh, if I believe rightly, Konza as well was his return game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what do you think? Um, I thought it was a bit harsh on Chambers, really, to drop him after the, the games that he's played. Uh, obviously, we knew that uh, Luca Dean was not going to be able to play um, after his injury. Uh, but also at the same time, I think we were trying to, with this formation, nullify Arsenal as as best we could. You know, it was kind of like a, I suppose some people would call it the Christmas tree type of um, formation. While Arsenal were going to play wide with a four-two-three-one, yeah, I think we wanted to dominate the midfield or you know the that that kind of area, and then try and work the creative players in Wendy and Coutinho to Watkins' advantage instead of having the, the two up top like we have had the last few games. But, you know, Gerard has said in interviews that he will chop and change the way that we play and the, the style that we play depending on the opponent. So it was changed at the weekend. And, um, I mean, I didn't have too many qualms uh, about the lineup really, Um I thought it was a nice change to have one up front to see how it would work. Um, and I think the only thing was for Conte coming back in. But obviously, um, it was bound to happen at some point. But I just would have liked Chambers to play it against his former club being like two fingers up at them. So, um, But that's about it, really. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was very harsh on Chambers. Very harsh. I thought if worst-case scenario... He could come in as a defensive midfielder um, if Cons has definitely come in. But I thought he was one of the best players um, since since his. To be fair, I don't think he's really had a bad game, in all honesty. Um, so I thought it was quite harsh to 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 drop him. Um, I thought there might be a few more changes um, than what there was. Like I've said for a few weeks now, that Ramsey's been off the boil. Um, Louise is. Uh, as I've said several times on that, I don't know where his best position is. So I want to, like I said, I want to mind seeing Chambers coming into the defensive midfield if it comes to it. But yeah, I thought the one player that I thought would probably be a certain to start was Chambers because I didn't think he's been that bad. So yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a bit harsh, but apart from that, it was all you know just the what we expected. Obviously, with Luca Dean uh, being injured uh, as well. Um, going into the the first half, I mean, I. I didn't think we could put a glove on Arsenal and I thought the goal was was fair, in all honesty. I thought that they, they deserved to go in front. 
Um, it was, I, to be fair, I saw a few people say Martinez was at fault for it, but there was bodies in front of him. You could, I mean, watching leading up to the goal, he was, you could see him trying to look around to see if he could see him and like to see, to, to you know, to see where the ball was. So what do you take from the goal? Because I say the goal coming at the 30th minute and I thought before that, leading up to it, I thought it was all Arsenal anyways. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we were quite lucky anyway that Martinez saves Conte's ass in a deflected cross, um, which he did very well to, to save. Uh, I think we only had one major chance, if you can call it a major chance, in the, in the first half and that was uh, with Watkins but it was we were very poor first half. Uh, I think the the stats at half time was like uh, uh, three attempts for us, um, which at home is bad. Um, yes, it's against a, a big club, but well, you know, a tough team like Arsenal. Uh, but the goal itself, you know, they take a quick free kick. We can't. Um, clear the lines. It's second phase of it of the free kick, um, and then Saka's there to 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 put it in. Um, like you said, it does go through bodies. Um, I think it just it goes just past Louise and Mings, and it's onside Martinez, and it, and it ends up in the back of the net. And um, you know, it's a surprising that he could pull that off, despite him like moaning he had like a broken leg after the game. So. Um, but it definitely at half time we it's kind of we deserved to be behind because we we were so poor. Yeah, like you said, is we were stupidly poor. Like from a Villa's point of view, is there was no real highlights uh, before half time. Um, like I said the one talking point, as you said, was the Saka Mings, uh, which seems to have blown up for some random reason. I mean, you could probably find one of these tackles in every game. Um, but for some reason this is blown up because of the, you know, the, the, the press conference afterwards with Gerard talking about his screws and however he's held his body together through, you know, playing football in England. But um just quickly on that on the MIG challenge, I didn't even think it was a foul. I d I didn't think there was nothing wrong with that at all because I know the show is still from Talk Sport and it literally showed there was no ball in the picture and it just showed you like Saka going over Ming's leg but rewind it like two seconds and you literally saw that he's got the ball and then Ming um and Saka's nowhere near Mings as he gets the ball and he kind of falls over like three seconds afterwards after the ball's gone. So what do you think? Do you think it was a foul or do you think it's not? Thank God no it wasn't a foul. Um I've, like you said, two seconds before that photo is taken, Saka is nowhere near Mings. It's like he runs into Mings's Mings's slide tackling leg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, definitely, definitely not a foul for me. Um, going into half-time, I mean, we are 1-0 down. Normally, I've stopped asking this question, but would, was there any changes for you? Half-time? Um, possibly going to a 4-2-3-1 to match Arsenal. Um, so, maybe bringing the likes of Bailey on. Um, you know, put Coutinho or, or Buendia in the 10 and have one of them out wide. Um, or you go to the two up front, but unfortunately nothing was, was changed at half-time. No, I thought that because, like I said, I, I don't think we could lay a glove on Arsenal um, in that first half especially. So I thought there would have been a few changes, but he, he 
he didn't, um, which I thought was probably the wrong decision in in, in my opinion. Um, but going into the second half, I mean, the first positive note from a Villa point of view was the um, off the post um, where Watkins left with the effort. Um, I think it deflects off Cherney and uh, it kind of looks like Leno's beaten and it hits the bar, which is a standard Watkins um, uh, performance where, you know, he's, he's just so unlucky for hitting the post. But from from our point of view, I thought that was our first real highlight. Um, but other than that, I mean, the second half, I think it was the same again. I think that the the um, substitutes made a bit of change um, when Bailey come on, um, especially I thought Bailey looked quite good. People was kind of slating Traore, but in my opinion, I thought he offered more than, I know I'm not going to say that he's better than Buendia or Coutinho, but I thought Traore, for all his faults, had offered more attacking options than Coutinho or Buendia did for that second half. What, what do you think, I mean, was there any positives for you? Um, well, I think McGinn goes close. Um, that's before the, the Watkins chance, uh, trying to bend oh, yeah. the yeah. corner. Um, <clears throat> then you've got the Watkins chance that hits the post. Um, then possibly the Ings, but it's a very difficult header for him to try and connect with, and it just goes over the bar. And then um, the free kick right at the end when Martinez is up. Um, you know, it's, it brings out a good save out of Leno, and then the full-time whistle goes, and Arsenal celebrate like it's the like they've won the league, uh, as Gabby goes on to say. Um, so, I mean, the positives was we, we we turned it around slightly, but it wasn't enough, and we couldn't take our chances, and that's been we've been a master of our own downfall, really. You know, again, we've had a poor first forty-five minutes. We've come back at it with some glorious opportunities and not taking it and you know what like you said earlier Watkins he loves a post or a, or a crossbar um this time it was a was a post um so it's slightly encouraging but it's still not good enough yeah exactly I, I thought that was probably his um I thought that was the worst full 90 minutes under Gerard I, I thought we was just way off pace didn't think we looked anywhere near um, challenging enough. Um, it's kind of a bit of a weird one because the last we're kind of going through this patch again where we, you know, we we, we won two on the bounce and then we lost two on the bounce. Now I understand that the two we beat are obviously a lesser side in Southampton, Brighton, to West Ham and Arsenal. Um, was it? Yeah, it was. Um, and I just I get that, but we you know to be challenging in the top eight, we've got to be beating the top eight. I understand we're not going to beat them every single, um, every time we play, but it just it's just infuriating that we don't show up. And I think this kind of shows that we are missing that grit. I thought it was too nice. I thought we gave Arsenal way too much respect, and I just think that we in the summer we've got to address the midfield. That that's my opinion. Um, for final whistle goes one nil. Um, didn't get anywhere near. Um, anywhere near them. Looking at the stats, I mean, I think the stats gave us. I think it showed. I, I think it makes it look better than what we were because total shots ten for Arsenal, eight for us. 
one on target for us, three for those, and six off target for us and three for them. But I genuinely, I mean, I don't remember half of these shots. I mean, do you? I mean, like the stats kind of make it look like it was a bit more even than what it was, but I thought we was quite poor. I mean, I thought we were definitely better second half. Um, but, you know, like we said, it still wasn't good enough. Yes, it was against a tough opposition. Um, you know, Arsenal are a team that we'd probably want to be in a, in a few years' time, or if not by next season. Um, so, I mean, there was quite a few. I, I can pick out four shots from decent chances anyway from the second half. So, um but like we said, we couldn't take it, unfortunately. I mean, just looking at the table um, before we go into player ratings, it's, I mean, we look at it, we're sitting in ninth. Now, if you offered me ninth at the start of the season, I would have took your arm off. Um, you know, so I'm not going to complain about that. Obviously, Leicester's got two games in hand who are on 10th, you know, so we can drop um, to 10th if they win their game in hand. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's really, it's really tight, to be fair, because we are kind of the best of the rest because Wolves are in eighth, but there's 10 points between us and them. So I think they're pretty safe, you know, uh, safe to be finished at the eighth. So we are kind of best of the rest at the moment. Um, but the problem is how tight it is because going down from, what shall we say, 15th to ninth, there's only six points in it. Um, you know, there is a, a game in hand pretty much between those, but... But yeah, it's it's stupidly tight. I mean, within two three games, you could easily be looking at sixteenth, which is Leeds, um, who's sitting on twenty ninth, uh, twenty nine points, and we're sat on thirty six. So, three games time doesn't go our way, you, uh, and you know results go badly. You could be looking, you know, right down there again. So, we've just got to keep beating the teams around us. Now, obviously, we've got a few games like Norwich, Burnley coming up. Um, you know, which you expect us to, you know, to get six points from those. Uh, there is obviously some harder games like uh, Liverpool, Man City. Um, so we've just got to make sure that the teams who are below us or in and around us, that we get some up from just to keep this on. Because as I've said a few times, we've got to finish as high as we can. OK, because otherwise the, 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 the dream players aren't going to come. You know, I mean, obviously we've got Coutinho on loan, which, you know, hopefully Touchwood gets, gets signed on a permanent but if we're knocking around the 13th, 14th position, I just can't see him signing, even if he's best mates with Gerard. So we've just got to finish as high as we can. Finish ninth will be absolutely fantastic, but let's just see what happens. Um, so is there anything you want to add before we go into ratings? Uh, no, I mean, we've, we've known for a while that midfield is an area that we need to improve on. Um, yeah. You know, I think we're quite lucky that Ramsey is come through the way that he has this season because I don't think anyone would have really expected it for him to be a mainstay in the midfield um, so you know it, it's it's good for us because obviously it's a benefit to play through the youth and we've not had to spend anything but at the same time could we have possibly got someone in better maybe but then you're hindering his potential and his current ability so it, it's really just swings and roundabouts and we just need to you know Get give Gerard a pre-season and that'll be massive. I think he'll get rid of the players that he doesn't want and you know it doesn't re- meet his standards. And um, hopefully some players will go um, if they're not too happy with you know their playing time or 
things like that. So I think pre-season is going to be massive for us and um, keeping Gerard will help us obviously in the window and like you said, hopefully we can stay as high, high as we can and uh, you know, keep Coutinho for next season because a full season of Coutinho would be massive. Going into the player ratings, um, can I have your ratings for Martinez, Cash Conza, Mings, and Young? Uh, I mean, where do you start? Probably Martinez um, gets the most, to be honest. Um, I'm not saying something. So, I mean, Martinez probably gets. A six, and then the rest, maybe a five. Um, yeah, Martinez a six. I gave Cash a six, Conza a five, Mings a five, and Young I gave a four. I thought he was really poor. I mean, I don't think Luca Dean's been fantastic since he's come in, but he's definitely a step up on Asher Young. Um, Ramsey Louisa McGinn. Uh, I mean, McGinn, probably the, the standout in the midfield. And then I'll give him a five, but Ramsey and Louise, both a four. Because, uh, yeah, the, 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 they've been missing um, some more than others for long periods of time now. Yeah, I agree with those ratings. I mean, McGinn was probably lucky to stay on the field because he just literally just went through a player down. Um, so he's probably lucky to even be on the pitch, if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, um, Buendia, Watkins and Coutinho. Uh, I mean, Buendia didn't have a good game, really. Coutinho, probably a tiny bit better. And then Watkins having the chances and not taking them. So uh, we'll go Buendia and Coutinho for Watkins Five. Yeah, agree with that. Um, yeah, bad day at the office for the entire front three. Um, yeah, I expected a lot more. Um, Bailey, Traore, and Danny Ings. Um, I think I might give them all a five. You know, because there's, you know, like you said earlier, there was, uh, you know, the game changed and helped us when Bailey and Traore came on. Um. So, yeah, it, it, they helped us, but unfortunately, we just couldn't get it over, um, get it over the line and get some, get some points out of it. Yeah, I gave all the same as well. I thought all three was positive changes in the essence that they did more in the game for a little time they had compared to the actual players they come off. I, I thought Ings offered more than Watkins and Traor and Bailey offered more than Rams and Buendia. Like I said, a few people slated Traore. Um, but he at least tried, you know, when Deer kind of just coasted in that game, if, if I'm honest. Um, that's the play ratings. So we are on to, to be fair, it's kind of a quick podcast just because obviously, you know, the game was a few days ago. It was a bit of a loss. Don't really want to be talking about it. And we've got a bit of a week off from the game. So we are going to be doing a um, just a quick plug here before we go on to Lone Watch. Um we are going to do a preview to the Wolves and we're also going to do a, a game of some sort, like a wiki game or something like that or Media Madness, whatever. I'm sure we'll think of something before the, uh, before the Wolves game. So keep an ear out for that. Um, so, yes, like I say, it's a bit of a quick podcast. So 
going into Lone Watch. How have we been doing this time? Hopefully better than the actual senior squad. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> we've got the Lone Watch, but we, I'm also going to um, go over the players who have gone out on international duty as well afterwards. Yeah. Um, so we'll start uh, in the Premier League with the Lone Watch, and that's Matt Target. Um, he's not missed a minute of football for, for Newcastle, apart from the Villa game, because obviously he was ineligible uh, for that. But two back-to-back losses for Newcastle. We. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the Premier League. Um, so, uh, But that only takes his tally to two losses this season, so it, it's still pretty impressive. <laughs> but with no goal involvements as of yet. Um, to France, we go to Freddie Gilbert and... Um, He's just a mainstay in the, the Strasbourg side, constantly getting 90 minutes and has done for the last oh, uh, eight games. Um, so he's got his minutes up, gaining assist in those last eight. Um, but like we've continually said, a player that we can see leaving by the end of the season. Um, next, we go to Turkey, and that's for Trezeguet. Um, not had the best of um, times since we've last been on. Uh, he was missing uh, one game for, due to an unknown injury and then played 86 minutes in a 2-1 loss and did nothing in that game. But he's getting some minutes and his record is actually pretty good, to say the least. Um, to the Championship then, uh, we're going to go to Conor Harahan. Uh, a player who's come out saying that he believes his Villa career is done. Um, and I think we all expected that anyway, as soon as he went out on loan. Um, but he's picked up the minutes again. He got a, he got an assist against his former club, Barnsley, uh, the other day, which is a little bit funny. But I think another player that will be uh, offloaded for sure. Um but, you know, comparing his loan deal to when he was at Swansea, um, he's had two more assists, but he's had five less goals. So, uh, you know, what does that say say about his loan, loan deal? Um, Staying in the Championship, it's uh, striker time. It's Keenan Davis. Uh, he's picked up two yellow cards in his last uh, games, which is uh, just <laughs> kind of shows where his he- uh, head's at, I suppose. <laughs> um, isn't well. They keep rotating a little bit uh, with Forrest uh, at the moment. He did have seventy-seven minutes against Liverpool in their quarter-final the other day, so he's not playing against Farmers, I suppose, in that game. Uh, Cameron Archer. It's not been a good week for him. Uh, Preston lost four 0 to Luton, um, and before that it was nil nil with Cardiff. So uh, nothing much happening down there. Uh, Bidace, not been involved in the, the Stoke squad for the last three games. Um, I think that's due to a recurring injury that he had. Uh, he only picked up 14 minutes against Blackpool and 17 against Barnsley and then been out for the last three. So hopefully he can come back to full fitness soon. Uh, League One is Kane Kessler. Uh Three ninety minutes in a row um, with playing one of those games on the left side 
um, for NK Dons. In those last three games, been three wins, no, sorry, two wins, one draw. Um, so he's doing very well in Milton Keynes at the moment. And it seems like he's kept a place in that first team, which he was struggling to do at the start um, at his tenure at MK. And then the final player, um, I suppose a little bit of bad news for Louis Barry. He's not been involved in the last five games for Swindon. Um, but I believe that's due to an injury and he got tonsillitis, I believe I heard or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Um, so he's got a bit unfortunate um, at the moment. Um, so hopefully he can recover from all of that and um, get back to the first team uh, pretty soon. And then all the players on international duty for or to, to watch out for. Uh, England, if you didn't already know that, uh, Ollie Watkins got called up um, after players were withdrawn from injury for the England team. Uh, Tyron Mings was originally selected. Uh, John McGinn goes off to Scotland. Uh, and he'll, I think he'll actually play against uh, Cash uh, at Hampden Park on, uh, I think it's next Thursday. Oh no, it's this Thursday. Um, and speaking of Matty Cash, Poland, Matty Cash gets pol- uh, called up. I think he'll actually, and apparently he'll face, uh, he equally could face Robin Olsen uh, in their playoff. Uh, and speaking of Robin Olsen, he got called up to Swedish national team with Brazil. Coutinho got called up. I don't believe that Louise um, got called up. Uh, I don't think, well, on the, I'm going off the Villas International Diary. They haven't actually, oh, that's why. I was going to say, they haven't said anything about Argentina, but because of how the four Premier League players dodged the COVID restrictions last time, I don't know if you can remember. Yeah, the Martinez and Buendia, was it? Yeah, with um, Romero and Lo Celso from uh, Spurs. They're all serving a two-game suspension from international duty. Ah. Um, so that's why they aren't going off. Uh, this time, Luke Dean got called up to the French squad, but there is talk that he might come back um, if France believes that he will, they will hinder his injury. Um, so let's see about that one. Uh, Bailey's off to Jamaica, so at least he'll be happy for a few, well, for a week or so. Uh, Traore goes over to Burkina Faso. Uh, Trezeguet, although out on loan, goes out to Egypt. Uh, Connor Harahan again out on loan but goes to Republic of Ireland uh, and we go into the youth uh, players who've been called up Jacob Ramsey uh, a lot of people calling him to be in the actual uh, senior team for England but he gets in the under 21s um, the goalkeeper Sincillo gets called up to Finland's under 21s Tariq Wright under 21s for Ireland in the twenties for England is Badis, uh, Archer, and Hayden. So nice to see three players in there. Uh, again, there's three players in uh, England's under 19s with Tim Ingramberg, Kenny Chuckmaker, and Aaron Ramsey. Uh, into the under ni- 19s for Scotland, Keir Smith goes out with his uh, national team. Uh, Oliver Ziech. The Polish under-19 goalkeeper goes out. 
Uh, Amir Kellyman, I think that's the player we got from Derby County. Isn't yeah, it? it is. Yeah, yeah. He joins um, Northern Ireland's under 19s team. And the final two players, uh, two young Lions uh, for the under 17s team who will go to the European Championship qualifiers is Jaden Barber and Josh Feeney. And those two are definitely two names to remember because those two seem to be absolutely flying in the under 18s. Uh, when I see them uh, popping up on Twitter or through Villa's news. And that's everyone on International and uh, the Lone Watch completed. Thank you, Callum, as always. Um, like I say, we will be doing the Internationals. We'll be on top of the Lone Watch wallet while they're away. So hopefully the more can be banging away goals or clean sheets, whatever their position is. So, yeah, we'll, like I said, we'll talk about that on our next podcast. Um, anything you want to add before we go? Um, like I said, the only thing I really wanted to say was I don't know if you saw the interview with Craig Butler, which is obviously yeah. uh, Leon Bailey's um, dad uh, or stepdad, um, which I thought was a bit, I'm not going to say shitty, but I kind of get that no player wants to sit on the bench. But I, I said this when we signed him that with his whole interview in his shed or whatever it was. I don't know, you know, without trying to be disrespectful, but I have no idea what they was doing or thinking was, um, you know. And um, but I said at the time that I could see him being a bit of a, um, not a troublemaker, but, you know, voicing his, his opinion when it needs to be kept quiet. Um, so I don't know if you saw that but, or what your opinion was, if you did see it. And uh, is there anything else that you saw in the media? Yeah, I did see it. And also, you know, the you know little Bailey can have a moan all he likes, but you know there's been a new manager, new re- new regime, new yeah. standards, so he needs to match that. And and he's also he's been injured, so you can't come straight back into a team really. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just a bit stupid, really. But I think that that means he's just a bit big headed. You know he's probably been promised first team football from where he's come from, but that was under Smith, and we're under Gerard now, so. Uh, you've got to move on with the times, I'm afraid. Uh, Things I wanted to add on, um, I think we, well, it was a few days ago now um, that we are starting to do work on the Intercity Academy. Oh, Um, yes. Yes, I saw that, yeah. That will be next, well, I say next to, but it's about 200 yards away from Villa Park, uh, a new facility to enhance uh, and cater for the youngsters, from the inner city uh, areas who can't who find it difficult to get to Bodymore because Bodymore is you know a bit of a way out especially if you're a family that doesn't drive or um you know struggles to get public transport out there it, definitely a, a great thing to have and especially so close to the ground as well um yeah it is it's such a good idea because like you say you, you don't realize how far i mean I, i've passed it a couple of times like you know if you're going into like solly or somewhere like that so like, you're going to sort coalfield then you kind of you know you, you, you can go past it but you think when it's, it's pretty much in the heart of aston um you know aston to Sutton coalfield and like i said I, I do drive but if you don't drive that is such a a jaunt to get to um and like you said is it's such a good thing to keep the net you know I know they keep talking about casting the net far and wide to get all these foreign players from abroad, you know, bring up all these youth players. But I think that's why we've got quite a lot of the Albion players because they, they've got a transit facility literally opposite the Hawthorns. They've got, you know, pitches and things there. And now we've obviously stole pretty much everybody they've got. 
you know, I think it's such a good idea to have one that's right by Villa Park, like they've done at Hawthorne, because it's worked. Because obviously Louis Barry's come from there, um, uh, Tim's come from there, Azaz comes from there. You know, there's been a fair few players that have, you know, gone onto our bench or even started. Um, that have come from West Brom, so you know them. It, it, I know it's good to take the piss out of, but you know they've shown that they're doing something right. You know to get them in the first place. So I think as much as we need to cast our net far and wide across the world, you know, to get youth players, there's still nothing wrong with getting one born and bred in the Midlands. That's right. You know, um, I think the Villa Academy on site on Villa Park has been, you know, left for some time. Um, and also having that so close to the ground, it gives opportunities to have, you know, school events and, and things like that there, um, which, you know, start poaching, you know, kids from the age of like seven or whatever they do now nowadays, which is a little bit ridiculous, but it, it's how footballing works now, unfortunately. So, but you know, like, like we said, you know, having two centres basically now, um, should help us massively. And like you said, you know, Albion, you, you've got to give credit to them because they they do have a pretty good youth um, recruitment. And obviously, like like you said, we, we take the piss. But um, it's like the same with Southampton, you know, the amount of players that they've brought through. And that's got to be due to their structure and the way that they've done things. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice for us to constantly churn out youngster after youngster um, season after season. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, it is a bit of a conveyor belt with the kids, which is wrong. You know, I don't agree with it because you, you, you can pretty much, you know, people do slip through the net because obviously there's, you know, going through a youth, cat, like you said, from the ages of seven, you know, when do you start binning off seven-year-olds? You know, so it's a bit, it is harsh, but I understand it's a business and it's the way football is. It's more of a business than it is a sport nowadays. Um, and obviously everybody, every kid wants to be a professional footballer, um, but sadly not everyone makes it. But on a plus side, you know, this gives us more reach. Um, and like I say, we can start competing with the likes of Albion. I mean, even Blues have had a few players come through over the uh, the time, like Bellingham, uh, and that they've come through, you know, come through their youth and um, and made it, uh, it to a decent level. Um so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then obviously we just need to get a kind of a conveyor belt on the go where if somebody leaves, there's somebody ready to fill in these shoes, um, which I'm not going to say Ramsey's done that with Grealish, but, you know, he, he's on the right path. Um, and if we can keep, even from a, a, a money point of view, if we can start, keep getting these youth academy come through and if they don't make it, still get a pretty penny from championship sides like Chelsea have done over the years. Or, you know, they become mega stars like Grealish has and we start getting uh, academy players come through the youth, start going for 100 million. You know, that's just, it's good for business as well as it is for, you know, the football in terms of, of, of the club. So, yeah, it, it's definitely needed. It's been a long time when, you know, especially if you look through the O'Neill years where we just would just sign players of any age category just, just to get him in because there was no real use set up. You know what I mean? Like Gabby was probably like a one-off at the time. You know, even Barry, Gareth Barry was brought in from Brighton um, at, at early doors, early age. So it's good to finally, you know, do that and recognise that, you know, it's a bit of a goal mine if you, if you get it, if you hit it right. So 
yeah, I, I'm glad you brought it up. It's something that slipped my mind. So yeah, that's a that's a good one. Anything else or? Um, the only thing is that apparently, possibly that Nakamba could be back for the Wolves game. Um, might be touch and go, but we'll just have to see on that one. Yeah, I'll click on that. Yeah, if he comes, if he is fit, does he start? Possibly not. I don't. It depends on his situation and how he's. Um, um, it, well, not rehab, but it depends on how he's, um, how he's feeling. I suppose, you know, he, he won't he won't be necessarily match sharp, but um, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, he might get minutes, um, just to get into the tank, but or maybe he gets a running with the under twenty threes just beforehand, which would be ideal. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, like I say, they, and sometimes I do like a cheeky friendly just for the players that have been left behind on international just to get a bit of a run out. So if we can get him minutes prior to the Wolves, then I'll be happy for him to start. Um, I know Yemenis has got that, um, you know, for his dive. So I know he's not going to be playing, which is a huge boost for us. Um, so if we can get a fully fit Nakamba, um, you know, especially when they've got a decent midfield in Neves and Matinho, um, uh, and a few players doing very well for that Wolves side. Um, It'd be good to to get him back in because he's that grit that we miss, um, and I think we need to buy more of it. Um, so yeah, be good to get him playing. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we have waffled on a little bit towards the end, but you know, like I say, we are going away now on international duty. Um, so you know, there won't be much football talk. Obviously, we will be back with a Wolves preview and a a a. a podcast game or something like that along those terms and obviously talk a bit more about internationals hopefully um, as I said I hope there's a few goals and clean sheets that Callum can go into so thank you for listening as always and uh, up the villa <laughs>